Welcome. Pull up a chair, fill your mug, get comfy, join us at the table for the most unusual tea party. Here's your host and graphologist, Teresa Abram. Welcome to the show, Brittany. I'm so glad to have you here. Hey, I'm so excited to be here. In this season, Brittany, I don't know anything about my guests. It was a random meet. You volunteered to participate this. So I'm really curious to know, when you are a human doing instead of a human being, what is it that you are doing? So I, as far as my profession goes, I own a professional home organizing business I work with. Typically, my clients are small business owners, so I'm helping them either organize their small business that's out of their home, or I'm helping organize their home to make it easier to do their small business and spend more time on that. So when you say organize their small business, you're not talking about like organizing their files and being a virtual assistant. You're talking about organizing their space organizing their space. Yeah. And to some degree, there is a piece of the filing and all of that, but not in the way that a virtual assistant would be holding and and taking care of those files. Mm -hmm. Right. So you're looking to, what is it that you look to help them with? Just optimize the space or? Yeah. To optimize the space, to make it so that what they're doing, they can do the best that they can. So whether it is that they're working out of home and we're trying to suddenly, perhaps, you know, given this year, you're trying to suddenly create a home office or they've always been working out of home. And as their business grows, their needs change and, and how their what might have at one time worked for them in the space isn't really working anymore. And it's easier with a fresh set of eyes to come in and ask some questions because we all have things that we just do it this way. We don't know why. We don't know how it started this way, but this is how we do it. And to have those fresh eyes come in and say, okay, hold on. Well, what's what's going on here? And and how can we kind of zoom out and really maximize the space for you? Oh my goodness. I so relate to that. There's so much in there that I'm like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I do. Part of what you said there is, is just looking at it with fresh eyes because sometimes something happens and you just think that's the way it is. And I find with people, they often feel like this is who they are, even if they've evolved past that point. And sometimes it takes a fresh set of eyes or ears but in my case, it's eyes to look at and say, I don't think that's who you are anymore. I think you've grown. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's interesting that you do it physically with the the furniture in the office. That's really cool, Brittany. So how can somebody, if they want to find out more about what you do, how can they contact you or follow you? So my website is Zenia, Z-E-N-I-A, organizers.com. And you can find me on Instagram at Zenia Organizers. And feel free, email. Um, I do virtual as well because of this year. I hadn't been doing it a year ago, but now I'm able to to expand my reach, which is really exciting. Awesome. So you're saying that I up here in Devon, Alberta could reach out to you? You are darn right. Where I don't even know where you live, Brittany. That's okay. I live um, about 20 minutes outside of Charleston, South Carolina in a smaller town called Somerville. Very nice. So that's quite a drive. If you were doing it still in person, it would be quite a drive. It would be quite a drive and I would really try not to be there sometime in January. That's for sure. <laughs> Wise woman. Wise. If yes, I didn't yes, have yes. to be here in January, I'm not sure I would be either. You know, what's really exciting about that is when I look at your handwriting, you know, some of the things that really popped out at me is the use of your space. It's very organized. It's planned and there's no entanglement. You have your margins. It's clear. It's very precise even with your your eye dots. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. So when you're talking about this is what you do for people, I'm like, man, your handwriting supports this career. Oh, good. Well, that's really neat to see that. 
One of the most striking things about your handwriting, though, Brittany, is this random capital letters that you throw into your, your writing. See this F in thrift? It's obviously clearly a capital letter F. You often do a capital letter N where they do stand up a little bit larger. They're not your normal lowercase N where it's just a stem with a hump. This is a up, down, up. And that is a very distinctive feature. I've only actually had one other handwriting sample that looked like that. And what that shows us is that you are someone who is going to set your own set of values, your own set of what's right, what's wrong, and you may strongly resist authority. Okay. All right. You're probably not a good person to join the army. Oh, gosh, no. No, 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 no. Oh, gosh, no. (laughs) When you think of that, does that feel like something that is right for you, that you do set your own values, or do you think you're more traditional going along with what other people believe? I would say going off of the, I I just don't do well with authority. I'm a questioner. I want to understand why. I want to know. I want to understand. I want to see the big picture. And so, yes, as far as you saying I could not be in the army, you're absolutely right. I would not do well there. Yes. And that is what shows with these capital letters that are just kind of random. It is very consistent. You seem to pick on the letter F and the letter N. Those are the two that you will constantly do. Now, let's take a look at your T's. T's are very talkative letters. It's why I focus on them. There's over like 450 different ways that you can write your letter T. Wow. Very simple, right? It's one stroke down, one stroke across. But when you think about it, we're using a lot of motion in that one. We have to go up and down. We're doing a vertical. We're doing horizontal. We have the choice of lifting the pen off of the paper or leaving it on. Do we keep it connected? Do we disconnect it? So there's actually a lot of choices that are made every time we go to write the letter T, and most of those are subconscious. So it is something that is very, very talkative. Now your letter T, we're talking about the lowercase letter T, not the uppercase letter T, but your lowercase letter T is actually short. A typical letter T will extend into the upper zone and then come down, but it clearly has an upper zone that reaches above your middle zone. Yours doesn't. And if we look at it next to an H, it's usually shorter than the letter H. There's also times where you actually increase the letter before it so that it makes it so that the T does not stand up. And we see that specifically in this word industry where the S is a little bit larger and it makes your T appear shorter. You also have short T-bar crossings. They are put in there. They don't carry forward. They are exactly, precisely put in place and they're not connected. So not even when we go over to an H, you very, very, very seldom connect it to the next letter. You do it when you have a double T, you'll use one line through both, just showing that there is economy of motion there, that you do look for what is the best way of doing it, what is the shortest, the easiest way of doing it. But for the most part, it's disconnected. And what that tells me, that short T-bar stem with that very carefully placed short T-bar crossing, is that you are independent. And you are somebody who is analytical, you're dependable, and that is also supported by the super even baseline that you have. It's almost like you writ- you were writing this on top of lined paper. <laughs> it's, it's crazy how even your baseline is. So that is really supported by that. The fact that you are analytical, you're dependable, and you're organized really comes through in your writing. Yep. Yep. That all sounds about right. <laughs> you can't dispute any of that? Nope. Do you think that you've always been that way or is that something that's evolved for you? 
Well, I've always, I would say that I've always been analytical. The organized piece that definitely had to be learned over time. I can remember, especially in, in thinking about handwriting as a child, you know, doing my spelling homework and my parents would check it over and say, nope, it's too messy and do it again. So I wouldn't say that I was born quite like that, but it was definitely taught into me. And as far as the analytics, yeah, I've always, I've been a why child well into now a why adult. Um, I, I just want to understand how come and, and why things happen and what's going on with it and the big picture. Exactly. Right. You know, and it's interesting that you say that was taught into you, that organization. What's a funny thing is if it's not there to begin with, it will never be taught into you. So your handwriting is something that if it never fits you, it will never fit you. Oh, um, I'm one who had messy handwriting from the get-go that drove everybody around me crazy and it doesn't change. Not my personal writing. I mean, I can force it to be better. Yeah. But it's not my natural script is big and it's a little bit more energy and it's very fast writing. And that's just because that's how my brain is, is just a fast brain. And my hand has trouble keeping up with it. So if it wasn't there to begin with that organizing, it wouldn't have ever been taught into you. Very interesting. Okay. You can own it. You can totally own that. Then I will. I will totally own that. Excellent. I like it. Now, one other feature of your writing that is, is interesting is this very precise I dot. When you dot your I every single time, no exception, which in itself is remarkable, it is carefully placed. It is precisely above your stem. I mean, it might drift a wee teensy tiny little bit, but very, very little. It's not like a lot of eye dots where they might be floating really high in the sky or drifting really to the left or really to the right or missing entirely. That is not yours. Yours is very precisely placed and it's always pretty much in line with the stem. You can find a direct line with the stem. That is something I have never noticed before, but I do see exactly what you're talking about. It's really just, even when you start going into cursive, things get a little bit crazy for you. But even there, it's still pretty much in line where you're having to go back to place it. You're still doing it. It's really quite remarkable. And that does show somebody who is precise. It shows us that you are a conscientious person. You're going to pay attention to detail. And it's also... A very clear indicator of your primary love language, which I'm going to tell you is not physical touch. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'll agree with that. Okay. But we're not going to get into that quite yet. And of course, for listeners of the Tea Party, this season, we are doing the five love languages. We're adding in an extra little piece to the Tea Party. And if you don't know about the five love languages and you don't know yours, I really encourage you to go take the test if you want more information about that. Listen to episode one of season three, season of love. All right, Brittany. Yeah. Before we actually get into your primary love language, I want to do what we call spot the lie. The spot the lie is where you've put some sort of deception in your handwriting sample, and I'm going to try to find it. Wonderful. Now, this is an interesting thing. Now, for some graphologists, they can spot a lie in handwriting for a mile away. And that's not me. I am getting much better as I've started doing this more and more, but it's still something where I am definitely learning. So your handwriting is actually quite tricky. This print script that you have is very controlled and very reserved. And when I see writing like that, it is actually harder to spot the lie. Okay. Okay. What I ended up doing with yours is really taking a step back, doing a bit of a zoom out and saying, if I get down to the nitty gritty, I mean, yours is so consistent, so even. 
of a baseline, I actually decided I'm going to strictly go on measurements for yours because otherwise it's a little tricky to tell what your lie was or where you're trying to deceive me. So I'm going to get a little technical here. Awesome. So bear with me as we go through the technical part to see if I end up in the right spot. Let's go. So when I looked at the first paragraph of your sample, it's almost a ruler straight baseline. When I actually did plot this on another sample where I started and I, I showed the baseline and it's so, it's like ruler straight all the way across. It's like you were writing on top of lined paper. Even your spacing of your lines is consistent. It's approximately seven millimeters. I mean, there's a little bit of a difference, but nothing really to speak of. Each line of printing is approximately seven millimeters wide. Your spacing between your words is really, really consistent. Again, we're talking about four millimeters. There's a wee bit of a difference occasionally, but almost every time it's a four millimeter space that you have between your words. Wow. Oh my goodness. Okay. Right. So I'm pretty sure, okay, you're the first paragraph. There's no deception in there because we get to your second paragraph and going a little bit haywire here, Brittany, no longer are the lines real or straight. And I think that's easy to spot. If we look at the words to be used, you can really see how they jump up. They're no longer on a straight ruler there. They've jumped up. Your line spacing becomes erratic. This line spacing, you've got one in here that's about nine millimeters. You've got some that are squished and they're like five millimeters of a space. So now we're all over the place. We've gone from being very, very consistent to something that there's a wide difference. Okay. Okay. Now the other thing that is really remarkable is we go from this consistent four millimeters between each word to almost double that in places in your second. Oh my goodness. Paragraph. If we take a look here, you're talking about, I wouldn't even snap to get a baby's or a dog's attention. The spaces here are ginormous. You say get giant space. It's actually nine millimeters. So more than double your typical space. You write the word a, one letter, giant space, <laughs> baby. So that really raises a red flag to me is that there's something funky going on there because there's no reason to have such a giant space between the word get and the word ah, or the word or and the word ah. I know that you know how to spell those words. You're not thinking about how to spell it. So I think you're trying to deceive me. I think you're trying to deceive me about maybe you've never snapped or maybe snapping really isn't your pet peeve, but there's something there that I don't think I believe you. So that's my guess. Is it somewhere in here where we're talking about I wouldn't even snap to get a baby's dog or, or tension? Yeah. So this is, um, so in this paragraph, I say that I don't, the the dislikes that I have is when people snap to get someone's attention. Um, I used to work in restaurants and anytime I see, it's just like, oh my God, why would you ever do that? So at this point in writing the paragraph, I now remembered that somewhere in these two paragraphs, I was supposed to put a lie. So I think I'm thinking about what to say next as I'm writing, I wouldn't even snap mm -hmm. to get a baby or a dog's attention because then I do write my lie and I'm like, I don't know, just what am I supposed to say? Shoot, what kind of lie could I write? And I put in a, a made up fact about snapping as my last sentence. Ah, very good. And that's where you go all haywire, where it jumps up off of the line saying to be used. Yes. Yes, that makes sense then, that this is where you made the lie. You were thinking about it and the warning signs were there. Clear as a bell that this is deception in action, but you're just thinking about plotting it. That's 
Very interesting. And I do see how you're saying that it doubles. I wouldn't have known that it was nine millimeters, but I do see how it doubles the spacing there. And then it is wavier. Yeah. That last sentence there. Very interesting. Yeah. I knew that here, this is where things were. We were no longer on the straight and narrow. (laughs) You were definitely drifting into uncharted water for you. So sometimes it's really obvious, you know, in more emotional writing, we get to see, you know, containers of emotion, extra loops. We're going to see a lot of other things, but for yours, it was a little bit trickier and I did have to start measuring everything. And then that's when it became super clear that, yep, we've got a problem (laughs) right in this area. So thank you for playing along with me. I know how tricky that can be, even just trying to put the deception in for some people. That's a real struggle. It was. It, it oddly was. Yeah. Isn't it interesting? When you, you're you asked to document it and you know you're going to be called on it, it adds this extra pressure to it that all of a sudden it's like, oh, right. <laughs> but what's really interesting is once you have this baseline, you're going to start seeing it in your writing. Like, I don't know if you journal or anything like that, but if you do, that's what you do. That's your default. If you're thinking about something you're maybe thinking about an untruth, you're going to start seeing those bases Mm. and your, your baseline is going to go haywire. So if there's a spot where maybe you're not being entirely truthful to yourself, there's a bit of self uh, deceit there. I think we all do it. We all have blinders on sometimes, right? That'll be your cue. Well, that's good to know. All right. That's exciting. And it'll be good if you see any of your customers, if you see them doing that, or if you do that to them, you'll be like, wait a second, why am I doing that? Uh, (laughs) Right, right. Of course. All right. Now at the, at the beginning, we talked about love languages and we talked about that precise letter I with the precise dot directly above it. And that we do know from that alone, absolutely. We are ruling out physical touch as your primary love language. Yep. I can agree to that. (laughs) All right. Excellent. When I look at your writing, what I really see is someone who is organized. There's precision. There's consistency. There's sensibility. There's independence. You've got emotional self-control. It's kind of like your head rules your heart rather than your heart ruling everything else. Yep. I'll agree with that. And what that all relates to is somebody whose primary love language is going to be acts of service. Yep. Sure enough. Well, that's kind of crazy. It is, isn't it? And the thing is, is, I mean, how you receive love is a very intimate, personal detail, but it's also part of your core being. That's who you are at your core. And there's certain qualities that relate to that. So when you're talking about acts of service, there's that core quality of wanting to share the responsibilities. You're, you know, that phrase, let me do this for you is like music to your ears. It sure is. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're not comfortable with the lovey-dovey words. That's, that's not no. what you want. That isn't the same representation. Nope. No, not for me. Yeah. It's nice, but I, I think that, you know, let me unload the dishwasher has a much nicer ring to it. <laughs> right. Or let me do the laundry this week. Right. Right. <laughs> so for you, you know, your primary love language. What are you most surprised about with that in the fact that it can show up in your writing? What surprises you about that? Because you mentioned you were, you were surprised. I certainly, as a lay person, you know, I would never think that your handwriting would be able to tell something like your love language just because I think of love language and I think of behaviors. I don't necessarily think of, you know, I get, I get that handwriting's a behavior. I guess I, I just had never paired the two together. So it seemed very surprising that they would 
have anything to say about one another. They totally do. And what's really fascinating is sometimes, um, you know, people with a love tank that's kind of empty, we can see that in their writing too, because it's almost like they're starving for attention. And there's little pieces of all of them that pop up in their writing Mm. because they're starved for attention. Yours doesn't have that. You actually, there's a lot of solid, you know, you're very solid in who you are. You've got a good base going right now. I feel like I have a good base going. Thanks. You're welcome. I would say you're doing good. I mean, the only thing that might be a bit of a worry, but if you already know your love language, you're already on a good track, right? The only thing that might be a worry, especially with acts of service, is if you're with somebody who starts out doing a lot of those acts of service, but then after a certain point in the relationship or after marriage stops because expectations have changed somehow or in their mind, they think, no, we don't have to do that anymore. Yep. Yep. Oh, yep. You've had that experience, have you? You know, it might feel a little familiar. I don't know. Yeah. Are you married, Brittany, or are you? I'm not. I'm not seeing anyone um, at this time, but I do recall some good conversations around love languages in my previous relationship. And did you find that the other person was open to looking at their love language or your love language, or was that a bit of a tricky topic for you? The other person was open. I think that just as time went on, we both kind of found that our love languages didn't match up. They were someone for physical touch. And as you can see, as we've already discussed, that's not my favorite one. That's not you. So it just, you know, became challenging and among other things, wasn't going to work out. Yeah. And I love that you put, you said that. It's like, there are some that are simply not compatible. Yeah. They're just not. And there's, that doesn't make one right. It doesn't make the other no, one wrong. It just not. that, you know what, there's a better match. Exactly. Somebody who's not going to leave you feeling like you're doing it all. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. So then as far as the like cursive writing in this, what does like, what informs you in the cursive writing? Just because I don't even remember how to write in cursive. This was very much like, I think this is how I do it. So yeah, I'll just mention a little bit about the cursive writing that you gave me. You gave me just a couple of lines of that. And in your cursive writing, it's very clear to me that this isn't comfortable for you. No, 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 not at all. No, not at all. So I really didn't spend very much time on this at all because there is a lot of what looks like almost copy, copy book, like you would have tried to learn it, especially your capital T here. This is so out of place for the rest of your writing. Yeah. It's clear that you were trying to match it to something else. It wasn't natural. It wasn't instinctive. It wasn't spontaneous. It's very clear. And then when I read the words and you were saying, um, the last time I wrote in cursive, I was 10 years old and in fourth grade. You've got slants going every which way, which when you're 10 years old, I mean, you're pretty volatile. You can tend to be a little bit more emotional. So it makes sense that your slant is a little bit all over the place. That's interesting. You've got some extra curly cues going on because at 10 years old, sometimes you want a little bit more attention. You want somebody to notice you. That is very interesting to see kind of that um, time capsule of being 10 years old and not having not used and evolved that practice of cursive writing that that would still stand true. Exactly. And that is, that is such a great way to phrase that it is like a time capsule because your body resorts back to the last time you wrote it. It like it stores that and who you were is what it picks up at. Now, if you were to consistently write in cursive over the next couple of months, you would see a dramatic change. Interesting. Because your body's going to start saying, this is no longer comfortable. This is not comfortable. You know what is, and then you're going to start finding a different way of writing. That's pretty cool. And it's automatically going to adjust itself to reflect who you are now. Oh, very cool. The other interesting thing that I kind of giggled about was that remember... And I giggled about this because you wrote remember, R-E-M-B-E-R. Yep. Look at that. (laughs) 
Yeah. And I really giggled over this because that is how I wrote remember for years. Like that is exactly, I remember doing that even in grade 12. Um, I was in the international baccalaureate program and my English teacher tried everything. He's like, how can I get you to remember how to spell remember? He just was so frustrated with this. Every single time I wrote, remember, I wrote it wrong. So when I saw that, it was just this total flashback to high school. And I'm just like, oh, <laughs> it is. Anyway, so that was very cute because I'm fairly certain. I don't think there was a single missing letter or misspelled word in the rest of your your sample. There wasn't anything like that. Well, that would go back to being 10 years old, huh? And, and not doing my spelling homework quite right and having to <laughs> redo it. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Just not doing it and having the brain functioning just that little bit different. Not all the synapses are connecting and working. Yeah. And, yeah. Very interesting. So that's what your cursive told me. Like I said, it would be very interesting if you wrote cursive consistently every day. And at the end of, I would say even at the end of probably six weeks, you would notice a dramatic difference. Well, maybe I'll have to try that out. That would be a fun experiment and see. Handwriting is fun. Yes, it is. I mean, obviously it's, it's so interesting in the fact, you know, like a fingerprint that everyone's looks a little different, even if they look a little similar. So this is just such a neat thing to be able to really dive in and, and understand and have some more perspective on a person based on that. It is. It's a valuable way of understanding somebody on a deeper level. It's not about judging that person. It's just about understanding them. And it's not based on them filling out a questionnaire with their own biases already in place. I think that's a really, I, I think this would be very interesting to um, learn a little bit more about this, maybe even do it as part of my client intake and see if there's anything that stands out or would tell me a little something more that maybe they're not sharing on the surface on on how I can best accommodate and help them. Yeah. And you hit on a, a great point too. Like for businesses, it's such an essential way of saying, how can I best communicate with this person? Yeah. You know, can they handle criticism or not? Like if they can't handle criticism, that's not the way to talk to them. You want to be really gentle, right? right. Um Absolutely. Yeah. And if you want to try to show, how do I show appreciation to them? Knowing their love language is huge. Like why throw money at them? If really they simply want you to say, you know what, this week I'm going to do all of this for you instead. Yeah. There's a lot of practical uses for it in business and definitely in relationships. Absolutely. And I guess really in businesses, it's built on relationships, isn't it? That's true. That's exactly right. Well, I think that about wraps it up, Brittany. Well, thank you so much. This was such a cool little experience and so nice to meet you. And I'm just, I, I think that it is such a neat way to highlight your gifts and to make more known about, you know, the, the beauty and, and the information in handwriting. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And I'm just so thankful that you put up your hand and said, yeah, I want to give this a whirl and, and see yeah. what it's all about. So I look forward to getting to know you better and continuing to get to know you. Now, as we do wrap up, Brittany, I always ask my guests what they've been drinking. Now, I have in my Christmas mug sparkling water. And I'm curious, All right. what, what have you been drinking today? Mine is just water. I was going to put a splash of apple cider in here. I don't like it too, too sweet, but I actually just got distracted in pouring the glass and just walked up into the office instead. So just plain water today. Excellent. That sounds very practical and analytical. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Go figure, right? Very like deady, practical, even. Yep. That's right. Now, if you had told me you had some whiskey in your cup, I would have been very surprised. Yeah. Yeah. That, that would be pretty surprising for me here at one o'clock in the afternoon. 
Thank you for joining me, Brittany. Thanks, Teresa. Thanks for listening. If you're wanting to hear more from Teresa and her guests, be sure to subscribe on the platform of your choice and follow her on Instagram at handwriting underscore PI. Did you know that the best compliment you can give me is a referral to someone else? Please help spread the word about a most unusual tea party and my guest and share it with your network or someone who might find it interesting. If you enjoyed the show and want to know more about graphology and what Teresa is doing, be sure to head over to the website at www.handwritingpi.ca slash hashtag newsletter and subscribe to Handwriting PI's newsletter. You'll get early notice of future guests on the podcast. You'll see full samples of the handwriting and get more tips for analyzing handwriting on your own. And if you have it in your heart, leave a tip in the tip jar found at www.handwritingpi.ca. The Tea Party is professionally edited by the amazingly talented Casey Broda. If you would like to contact her or inquire about her services, look for at Casey Broda on Instagram. That's at C-A-S-E-Y-B-R-O-D-A. And finally, if you want to have an audio handwriting analysis done, like you hear here on the show, send us an email at handwritingpi at gmail.com asking for information about our AHA program. Thanks for listening.